join. Game on, everybody. It's the throwback. Jake Seeley with you, as always. Brad Ziegler with you, as always. And I kind of paused and made it a little bit different because we have a guest today, which is something we don't rarely do. I don't know, as DVR told us before the show, I don't know if we've had a guest. Uh, Brad told our guest he's the worst one we've ever had. But I said he's also the best one, so don't listen to Brad, but make sure you're listening to us. Go over to theathletic.com. Fancy football draft kit is up there. The fancy baseball draft kit is being updated I updated my rankings, which still have to be updated again. So if you're looking for that type of stuff, check DVR. He's got the news out for you of everybody, but every day that seems to have five new cases of whatever going on, whether it's COVID related or not, there's something happening every dang day. But the football draft kit as well, if you go to the bottom of articles, still 30 days free or 50% off, pick one, get it now before it's too late. But the guest that we're having, I know Brad's excited. I know I'm excited. I know if you guys are in the industry and listening to this podcast, you're excited because I'm pretty sure 99% of you are in this because it's Scott Fishbowl. It's the Scott Fishbowl. Follow Scott. Whatever. You know what, Scott? You tell everybody where to follow you besides this because there's other things than just the Scott Fishbowl you're involved with, which is part of what I wanted to have you on and talk about, which makes it so amazing. Sure. Yeah, I'm Scott Fish. Follow me on Twitter at scottfish24. My my main job is Safe Leagues, uh, which is a commissioner service, safeleagues.com. But mostly everybody knows me from uh, the Fishbowl. Uh Th- scottfishbowl.com thanks for having me on guys it's uh it's very awesome i i'm worried now that i'm gonna really blow this and that'll taint you to not have any guests anymore forever <laughs> I, I i gotta not screw this up <laughs> well i i will say scott i i am already impressed um because you're you're making us feel extra big time here because i know you're swamped right now like this has to be an extremely busy time for you i saw screenshots of people that took matt barkley second overall <laughs> i'm sure that probably someone had to go in and fix that that's probably you like we're i, I yep. appreciate you taking yep. the time this is so big that matt barkley tweeted about it because he got mentioned people were mentioning him that people were taking matt Bar- he had no he had no idea what scott fishbowl is or what's going on <laughs> he tweeted about this he's like shout out to all you guys taking me instead of saquon barkley <laughs> and saquon barkley replied to him too which is did he yeah that they're both they both uh have a cursory knowledge that these drafts are going on to some degree See, that's the uh, so real quick because Brad's in it, I'm in it. Do you like DVRs, Bellard, Nando? We're all the, the entire athletic is everyone's in it. D, me, DVR, and Bellard are all in the same league. So, are you? It's, how did that yeah, it's been happen? it's been oh, intense boy. right now. Well, Scott, how many are there now? Because I remember when it got to like 800, I stopped counting. Like, yeah, I'm paying attention. It just keeps expanding. They just more and more. Are you over a thousand every year? Yeah, we're at 1,440 this year, and I. Oh my I, god! Wow. There was over 10,000 signups, so I made a 1,440 team best ball satellite tournament to go alongside it. Uh, yeah, it just expands every year. More and more analysts play. Now we have ugh, so many celebrities playing. It's 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 getting crazy. Yeah, that's that's awesome. It's it's uh and this I love how much attention this brings to Fantasy Cares and and I I will let you uh, expound on that because Fantasy Cares um, is something that that is near and dear to a lot of our hearts. Um, you do such great work with it and and promoting it and and so tell tell us about Fantasy Cares and and what it is and and how we can help. Yeah, sure. So Fantasy Cares is uh, I start oh God, I started that about five years ago. We raised money to buy toys for 
uh, children at Christmas time. Uh, mostly we buy the toys, donate them to Toys for Tots directly. Uh, we've also helped helped out other charities uh, along the way, uh, like Hurricane Relief and things like that when that happened. This year our Potathon was giving to uh, um, Equal Justice Initiative and Toys for Tots. Um, Basically, I, I think the big thing I wanted to push this year. I mean, I mean, we took in T-shirt sales and the Potathon and uh, and some celebrity eliminators to raise money for for Fantasy Cares. But mostly this year, I just really wanted to push people with everything going on that you know donate to what you're passionate about. That's been my my talking point, my drive for for five, six, seven, eight years is is take an entry fee from your league and give it to a charity you're passionate about. And if I can push that out there, I think the hundred thousand fantasy leagues we have in this world can, can do a lot of good. If each one does a little bit, hundred thousand, only about 90,000 run by you. So. <laughs> it's, it's a little ridiculous <laughs> at this point. Question for you, Scott, because you're in the flex and so, you know, you know, like I started that kind of like, Hey, let's, you know, have a tout wars or labor for football because why hasn't anybody been doing this? But this is obviously a whole different animal. You involve a health, I mean, 1,440 people plus another 1,440 people. What? I know you never expected it to reach this level, but like when you first started Scott Fishbowl mm-hmm. back in the day, like I remember when you first started, but what was your, like I had a goal, like I said, like I wanted the industry talent slash labor. Like what was your thought when you first, the very first day when you're like, you know what? I'm going to run this blank because I want whatever. I, I think you've created that too, Jake. I, I feel like that's what flex is like the, like the industry tout war version. Like it's the, uh, the analyst, the t- best of the best analysts going together at a live event. And it's just, I, I love flex. It's you've done an awesome job with that. Um, as, as far as, uh, the fishbowl, honestly, it was just a, a reader league for the site I ran at the time. And I went around, I wanted my readers to, play with uh you know big name analysts in the industry and i i know we got guys like mike clay and stuff that first year like i i i wish i could remember all the names but we we got some we we got some good people the first year and uh i think what happens is once one analyst plays and then the next one says oh that guy's playing okay i'll play and it just steamrolled for 10 years to the point it it is now that's awesome um it's there, there's there's so many advancements in fantasy football with with leagues expanding and just the um, we, you can do so much good with it and it's fun to see um, you, you guys doing all that stuff Scott I know one of the things with that that is kind of no um, this league is known for is every year there are scoring changes right. and last year we had these uh, you know yardage bonuses every 50 yards rushing and receiving and and it really skewed toward the wide receiver and this year it it, it it's it has modified drastically. Um, it, it changed whenever I threw um, rankings into a simulator. It changed a whole lot of stuff um, compared to my my 2019 rankings. Tell us what the 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 specific scoring things are for this year. Obviously, it's a super flex league, tight end premium always. Um, but but tell us the the quirks that you put in there this year. Yeah, so every year I try to make it balanced uh, between the positions, but I I try to make a wrinkle that. Either I want to push into the industry as something that they should consider or something that's just flat out fun for me. Um, This year, the reason I want it balanced is because it creates massive draft chaos and every draft is very different when that happens. You can can draft whatever team strategy you like and you'll probably be able to justify it and be happy with it. This year, um, I wanted to show people that in Superflex or in 1QB, 
you can modify the QB scoring so that it separates the tiers of QBs. You can you can heavily penalize certain things or or prop up certain attributes to to make good quarterbacks worth more and bad quarterbacks worth a lot less. Like in this scoring, Sam Darnold had a minus 29 game last year. Baker Mayfield had a minus 18 game last year. You can get negative points. So basically, I, I docked you for interceptions. I docked QBs for taking a sack, which is, which is a little bit of a thing out there that are sacks a QB stat or an offensive line stat, and I thought that would be fun for uh, people to talk about. And, uh, of course, I have a slightly larger um, you know, docking for interceptions and incompletions also get docked. So it's it's got some things that, uh, that quarterbacks get hit with. Uh, they get penalized if, if they're not performing at a, at a high level. Yeah, and so kind of to your point, the reason I don't know if you heard me chuckle in the background is because my second quarterback is Daniel Jones. It was just like, ah, oh, I'm looking at him a heck of a lot of negative games that he's aiming like last year. But part of the reason, I, it's twofold why I did it is, you know, one, like you mentioned, is super flex. Uh, what Brad asked about, you know, your league is obviously not anything out there you can take home from your normal league outside of uh, it's a kind of a twofold question mm-hmm. for you, Scott is it's the strategy when it's this crazy of going into a draft and saying, can I glean anything from this and take it home to my draft? And then two, Scott, for that reason, because it's so big, because it's 1,440 people, myself going into it, I'm like, I'm treating this kind of like, remember the draft app? I'm kind of treating this almost like I have to have almost the perfect team and I need to take chances. Do you do that in a, like a completely weird scenario like this where there is so many people you're competing against? Yeah, yeah. On on the first side, I think the takeaway more from, uh, I mean, I think people can glean a little bit within positions, not necessarily where players are drafted. Uh, but I think the, the the thing people can take more from SFBX is is watching how people adjust and also is the is a scoring setting or a lineup setting or whatever that's in this league is it something that they want to bring to their league maybe maybe the first points per first down is something that interests them I think it's more on that level than it is player valuation um, on the second side yeah I mean this the playoffs become combined after it's 12 weeks of regular season. Then it's a combined playoffs, almost like a DFS GPP. It it gets to the point where you're, you're literally playing against hundreds upon hundreds of other people in the playoffs. And so you need, you probably need something unique. You probably, you probably need to hit some boomer bust guys, kind of like in best ball where, where if you hit a bunch of those boom guys, you're going to be set up a lot better because you'll have a unique roster construction come the end. I, I can definitely see that. And that's, it is something I tend to do is, is have a little bit of a different structure than your, your, your regular common construction in this. I, I can definitely see that angle. I will say that real quick before you jump in, Brad. I think there's some people out there who might be missing that when your playoffs start and hoping they get a buy because don't forget there are legitimate buys on the Buccaneers and uh, what's the other yeah. team? the Carolina Panthers. Christian McCaffrey might not be so appealing as the one on one if you don't have a buy in your draft format. <laughs> yeah, I, I I I took McCaffrey and my justification was he doesn't have a buy during the entire regular season, so I get him all twelve weeks. So you can look, yeah. Yeah, you can so, look at it that way too. Um, yeah. My thought was if I if I can get a bye the first week of the playoffs, I don't even have to worry about McCaffrey missing. It's 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 a give and take there. It's a it's a tough one you have to wrangle with. Yeah, and I, I did the same thing. I took McCaffrey first and then later on I, I had a choice at receiver between in my mind it was Allen Robinson or DJ Moore. And I didn't take DJ Moore solely for that reason. Like if mm. I don't get that bye, I do not want to have two of my top four players. 
right. sitting out that, that first round of the playoffs. So um, I did take Teddy Bridgewater a little later, um, but but he's you know my second quarterback, and I'm I'm not as um, not as heavy on him. But DJ Moore would have been my wide receiver one, and I just didn't want to to miss that. So Scott, r- real quick, explain. For there's you know the majority of our listeners probably have never been in a Scott Fishbowl league. They may not understand the format. How do you whittle down from 1,400 teams all the way down to one champion at the end of the season? Sure, it's uh, 12 weeks of regular season within your 12 team division, and uh, then basically uh, I, I'll I'll just go with they're in these giant conferences, and basically half the conference uh, makes the playoffs, and in week 13, 14, and 15, the uh, the field is cut by half or more each week uh, down to a single conference winner. And then the 15 conference winners play in week 16. Um, So basically 12 weeks of regular season, half make the playoffs, and then each week half are cut until you get down to a final 15. So there's 15 in the championship. 15 in the final this year. Yep. Yeah. That's awesome. Very cool. (laughs) <laughs> it's insane. It's, yeah, it's like it's a it's a playoff round every single round, including the championship. All right, I, I don't know if Brad has another question, but we'll say last one or two questions if Brad has one more for you. But in this, because you're in it, and it was something I was talking about. So I, you know, everybody knows I do the separate podcast as well. And I was talking with Rich about this, who yeah. Rich Rebar is mm-hmm. in your Scott Fishbowl as well. Is because it's snake and it's not auction. You know, you, there's no way you could do this as an auction. I'm not faulting you for that, but. The point we were talking about is like when you're at like a 103 or a two or a 110. So like you know there's going to be 16, 18 picks between your next two picks. Is trying to predict runs, trying to you know not get caught where all of a sudden it'll also tight end premium is not getting caught with a bum tight end or being left out from having a second quarterback or stuff like that. Like what's your in-game? Because this this goes to any mm-hmm. league that you're in, Scott your own personal strategy of trying to read the specific draft you're in because of all your leagues. I mean, uh, uh, what's, what's the guy's name? Uh, fancy yep. HD, yep. AD, yeah, what's, what's uh, his fancy name? Um, yeah, yep. Josh, thank you. Yeah. He does a really good job with the ADP and being able to look at that type of stuff. But at the same time, you know, it league to league, you've seen it. It's 1440 yep. different drafts. Some have 22 quarterbacks in the first five rounds. Some have 16 in the first seven. Like, there's just no... So how do you go into a draft, any draft, Scott, and try to read the room and adjust to know when to jump in at quarterback, when to jump in at tight end, when to avoid a run or go after one? That is the tough situation in this. I think it's almost a little more beneficial to be in that, you know, four to eight range just so that you don't get caught off card by a huge run. I think when I'm on the corner, and I, I don't know that this is a lot different than other leagues... I like try. I like to try to lead that run, and I try not to tilt when a run has just happened. I, I think that's. I think that's the main thing I try. But um, I'm in the in the SFB. I'm the king of on the corner. I take two of the same position most rounds just to try to start uh, double tap. Yep, the double tap just to just to try to start something. Uh, and if it starts something, that's great because that means the a different position will be there for me on the way around. Yeah, I, I feel the same way, and I like. It, it, it's just funny to see you when you're drafting on the turn. Like I, you know, like we said, we both had the first pick. Um, you see those runs start to happen. You have to start controlling the tilting aspect of it because I'm sitting there thinking it was. I think it was round round six. I I had DJ Shark like queued up. I'm like, I want DJ Shark. I I knew DJ Moore. He went he went really late. He went six uh, like six six in our in our draft, which was really late. From you know, like I said, I was considering him at four twelve. Um, but when he went, 
then all these other guys started going. It was Odell Beckham, Antonio Brown, or AJ Brown, sorry, uh, Cortland Sutton, Adam Thielen, Juju Smith-Schuster, Amari Cooper all went before. And I was like, after DJ Moore, my next guy was DJ Shark. And I was like, oh, I don't know if I'm <laughs> if he's going to get to me or not because all these receivers just were falling off the board like crazy. Uh, but fortunately, mm-hmm. he snuck to me. And, and uh, nice. so I, I haven't been able to... To get, I haven't got too angry um, at the draft yet, and and good. yeah, I, I, sitting on the turn, that's a hard thing for me to do. Yeah, you you think you'd get angry more? I've been angry this whole draft, <laughs> sitting on the corner. <laughs> I've been angry because I'm watching the values fall, and they keep ending up going to like one specific guy. Right. Oh. And that's what's pissing me off. It's it's FF Jeff something. I forget what it is, but it's just like he's getting all of them. Like he got Dalvin Cook at the end of the first round. Uh, there was one where like Keenan Allen was in the seventh. Jeez. It was just like stop, stop helping this guy out. <laughs> anyway. Uh, at, one more time, tell everybody, at Scott Fish, 24, but also, Scott, one more time, uh, everything about Scott Fishbowl, but again, the, the bigger side of it is, you know, fancy cares and all the stuff that you have going on with that and why things are just so important. That for us as a community, I want to say the entire industry slash community. Yeah, sure. Scott Fish, 24 on Twitter. Uh, I run a commissioner service, safeleagues.com, if you're looking for like low stakes redraft and dynasty leagues to, to take part in. Um, Scottfishbowl.com is where you can sign up for next year if you want to try to be a part of this next year. I, 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 I've toyed with a lot of fun ideas, but uh, you should go check that out. Um, and, and as far as the charity side, uh, I think we're getting close to the end of a lot of the fantasy cares type events, but, but that doesn't stop what I want to preach out there is, you know, connecting and community and, and trying to be charitable in your leagues that you're currently in, uh, bring it to your league, uh, talk to them, say, Hey, can we donate one of our entry fees? Either the league decides the charity or maybe the winner decides the charity. Just, just get out there and try to do a little bit of good because, Together we can we can do a ton together. That's awesome. No, oh, we appreciate it. Yeah, it's awesome, Scott. Uh, appreciate it. We love being in the Scott Fish Bowl, and it gives us something to do during July every single year. So we always appreciate that. <laughs> Absolutely. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot for having me on, guys. Thanks for coming on. All right. Once again, thanks to Scott. Uh, as speaking of Brad, uh, what, what round are you in? Uh, we are in the tenth. Uh, that's where we are too. Yeah, DVR yeah. is on the clock, and then I'm I'm two picks after him at the turn. So. I don't know how all you guys ended up in the same league. That is really kind of weird. Well, we all picked wiffle ball. It's the wiffle ball division. And yeah, so but I, even so, I know I know Scott will sometimes try to break people apart. It was, well, 1,440 leagues, I can understand <laughs> slipping through the cracks a little bit when it comes to that. Uh, so I, I want to go back to one question I asked him and asked you, and it was about that whole run situation, you know, because I think that's the biggest question. Like Scott gave a really good answer, but I want to get your opinion as well, because it's probably one of the most common questions that people have when they're in snakes. And I wanted to give you my scenario because I can show the good and the bad of how it happened to me. For me, reading these drafts initially, just watching Twitter, I knew wide receiver. Like as soon as I saw Michael Thomas go in the middle of the second round, I was like, we can wait on wide receivers. This is ridiculous. Just wait on wide receivers. So I knew I could. I got Julio in the middle of the third. And I made the uh, Daniel Jones as my second quarterback. I didn't love it, but I made that pick when I did in the fifth round. And quarterbacks started flying off the board after that. Smartly, that was a nice pick. Here's where I ran into the problem, Brad. And this is why I want to ask you is because now I'm in round seven and the top three there's three that I wanted of tight ends on the board were Tyler Higby, Hunter Henry and Evan Ingram. I was like, I want to get one of this tier because I think there's a decent drop off after that. So I'm going to go get Tyler Higby right now at seven Oh four. Unfortunately, this is where it went the other way. 
Another 18 picks after only one tight end came off the board, that being Hunter Henry. I could have gotten Evan Ingram or Hayden Hurst all the way down at the end of the ninth round. So sometimes you make the right move, and sometimes like that, I've made the complete wrong move. I like, Is that just part of the draft process? You're going to sometimes hit, sometimes not. Do you have a better thought process when you go through it? I, I don't, and it's... I think when you're in a league with a bunch of people you don't know, that's the thing you you run the risk on. Like one one you know one thing I tried to look and see: Do I know anybody in this league where I've I've I know anything about their philosophy? The guy drafted in the 11 slot in our league is from Rotoviz, and I know instantly he's a zero RB guy. That's the whole Rotoviz thing. So yes, he got Dalvin Cook at two two. That was just an extreme value, but he didn't take another running back again until the ninth round. He took James White, and and so I knew at that point, okay, he's not taking running backs. So then when I'm trying to count, okay, I want to get a certain running back or, or a, a tier of running backs, my next pick, I can basically eliminate him from his spot. And then do I think they're going to get back to me? Other than that, I, I mean, I, I don't know. It's hard when you're drafting with a bunch of people you don't know because they, you don't know how anxious they might get. You know, we, we've had big, we had a big quarterback run in the fifth round. We had a massive wide receiver run in the sixth round. And then we just had another big quarterback run in the 10th round. It's like everybody's trying to scoop up the last few starting quarterbacks. And, and right after that, the two, two of the guys that I really was hoping would get to me that I I was kind of shocked they were still on the board, but I'm like, Oh, if they're, if they're still on the board, I hope they get to me. TJ Hawkinson goes and then Christian Kirk goes. And it's like, okay, well those are the next two guys on my board. Like at this point, if it gets to me during our podcast i'd love to pick live on the podcast but i have no idea who i'm going to take right now because those were the only two guys i had queued up matt barkley i can't believe barkley <laughs> yeah I'll, I'll take i'll take matt barkley then we'll we'll call scott back and say like hey can you go in and fix this and and me- try to mess the rest of his day up yeah and i think that's you know if, again scott can't do, there's no way to do an auction but this is like why we kind of preach auction too because then you're never left out of that mix and i'm not saying it takes straight like if you want to say the strategy if you like snake and don't like auction i'm just always going to preach auction because you here's a perfect example out of the 1440 leagues you know how many people had an opportunity at christian mccaffrey maybe 1444 for like the four people that went saquon barkley like that's like there's that's the thing is like unless you're in an auction 11 of the 12 teams in your league don't have a shot at Christian McCaffrey. If you get stuck on a run, if you're on the turns, you just can't you know, handle that. That's something taken out of your control. And that's why I like it. I'm not saying just use my example, but again, you know, I made the mistake. I would have loved to go back and hindsight do it. But as you said, there's no telling with 16 picks that what if six tight ends came off the board and all of a sudden the next best one, I was looking at a Gasicki or something like that. So it is a tough thing. It's a tough strategy, but that's that's part of why we're here to try to help. I, I do want to talk one thing. This does have fantasy implications, but on the non-fantasy implication side of things, everybody by now knows Brad is a Kansas City Chiefs fan. Brad, <laughs> we talked, and I say we as in the sports industry, not the football industry, because a few years ago, there was a conversation being had that Bryce Harper was going to be the ha- first half-billion-dollar contract in sports because he plays baseball, because everybody thought the Yankees were going to go get him. And then he was supposed to be, all right, well, he might not get that, but he'll get 400 He didn't get either of those. Mike Trout is the only one that like kind of skirts it, depending on how you look at the overlap of the contract. You can say it's 400 But Patrick Mahomes didn't just get 400 Patrick Mahomes got 503 He is the first half-billion-dollar contract sports player in all of history. He chose correctly. He chose wisely, because even though he didn't go play baseball, he's the first one to do it. How do you feel as a Chiefs fan? Like, seriously, like just as an NFL fan, how do you feel knowing 
you could you could argue both ways. You could say, well, we're tied in. What if six years from now he just falls off a cliff, and now we're looking at the final four years of paying this guy forty-five million dollars a year? Yeah, I I do think for, number one, I'm ecstatic. Like this was this was the most important thing the Chiefs had talked about. They wanted to extend him a year early. Um, they had already picked up his fifth-year option for 2021, so they knew what his his numbers were going to be the next two years. I'm just glad they were able to get the extension done where it didn't change those two numbers because they are right up against the cap right now. And I, my fear was that he like there was going to be you know some sort of kind of fluky demand where he wanted more money immediately. And yes, he got a $10 million signing bonus, but as far as the cap goes, they can spread that out over the length of the deal and it's not a big deal. Um, obviously ecstatic. This guy is, is, in my opinion, the best player in football. Um, I, and that's, that's even from an unbiased standpoint, I've heard people say that they feel like he's the best player in football. It is, it is, it's just to know that him and Andy Reid are going to be together basically as long as Reid is still coaching at this point. But I do think there, there are, there are multiple times during the length of this contract where there, they might have to do some restructuring and, and figure out a way to shift some money because there's a couple of years where he is owed like $60 million in a calendar year <laughs> with roster bonuses and stuff. That's, I don't care you know what, what the is. cap is at that point. If you're it. smart and noticed and looked at it around 2026, 27 is when you think there might be a restructuring coming. <laughs> yeah. And a new CBA will come up, you know, potentially right around that time too. And so, um, you know, you never know. Every time the last few CBAs, anyways, the players keep getting just a little bit bigger chunk of the of the pie. And even if they get a half a percent, if they're forty eight and a half percent of the money right now, and they go to forty nine, that's a huge amount of money um, that that goes to each team in their salary cap pool. So, so at that point, they they, I think the Chiefs they backloaded it. I mean, twenty, I think twenty twenty seven. 2030 and 2031 are the only years in the deal where he actually makes more than 45 million. And yes, 45 million, 44 and a half million, whatever is a ton of money. But what, with what the structure of the league is, is projected to be at that time, you might be looking at him as around the seventh or eighth highest paid quarterback at that point because of the length of the deal. I I don't get the impression from him that he's the kind of guy kind of like Aaron Rodgers, where he, he just demands to constantly restructure his deal every other year. I want a new deal. I want to be, you know, I'm not okay being the sixth paid, sixth highest paid quarterback. I need to be at the top. There was a wide receiver that just did that. It was just like two years after they signed this contract and he wanted to redo it. I yeah. There's, there's, there was yeah. somebody. So let me ask you from the fancy side of things, because sure. this is, this, this is, and this is a little bit more dynasty skewed than it is regular, but this is the time of year where we talk a lot of dynasty anyway. When you see Patrick Mahomes, forget, let's just even say this was a five-year contract. When you see a situation like this, but then on the flip side, you have Tom Brady. And I think this is a good way to look at it. Like, if you're sitting there in Dynasty and you're saying ages are pretty close, like Tyreek Hill versus Mike Evans versus Chris Godwin, of knowing I have Patrick Mahomes for five years, knowing I might only have one year of Tom Brady and then question mark at quarterback. How many times and how much does that come into play when you're drafting a Dynasty? I, I mean, it has it has to come into play. I mean, that, that to me makes Clyde Edwards-Alaire way more valuable than he was before because essentially if you if you believe the narrative Mahomes kind of handpicked him they they said who do you want he said Clyde and if that's the guy he wants to work with he sees he sees stuff with him coming out of the backfield like oh my gosh I can work with this guy you know he gets open against linebackers all day then it's like yeah well I want that guy on my team then at the one one because Jonathan Taylor I love Jonathan Taylor as a running back as a prospect but it it, it affects 
I, I don't know with Philip Rivers being their main quarterback that Jacoby Brissett was, you know, right. not very good last year. They Yes, they have a good offensive line, but they also have Marlon Mack there. There's a lot of ambiguity there. Whereas you look at the long term in Kansas City, Andy Reid said yesterday at his press conference, he's he is totally fine coaching well into his 70s at this point. He's only 60 years old. So you take that offensive mind, this talented quarterback. Yeah, give me all the pieces around him that I can that I can find, especially Tyree kills in a long term deal. Now he, he signed a big extension before last year. Kelsey is probably going to try to re-up, and, and Kelsey's the kind of guy who would, at least if you believe what you hear publicly, might take a little less money to stay in KC and, and try to work with them on the cap cap numbers. Um, I don't know about Sammy Watkins. Watkins at least stayed around. He restructured to stay around this year. And yeah, but it's, it's, just, it's just weapons like crazy. I mean, here's a perfect example is now when you get to deeper flyers, you take a Mecole Hardman because, you know, Sammy Watkins could be gone next year. And then you know that if he is, he has Patrick Mahomes. To your point about Phillip Rivers, you know, do you take Paris Campbell? Do you take uh, um, Michael Pittman? What if Phillip Rivers is one and done and they're a rookie quarterback next year? That's what I'm saying. is like It's a good point because you take those flyers knowing Patrick Mahomes is there for a few years. We're going to move on from this, but Brad, I just want to point out, do you know what the best part about this contract is? The best part about this contract is the previous person with the longest tenured contract or no, the longest forward going contract was Harrison Bucker. Thank God is no longer a (laughs) kicker that had the contract that lasted the longest on this team. But same, same deal. Like the chiefs find a guy they like that works well in, in their system, that's a kicker. He could he could hit seventy five percent this year and be gone. That's true. That's true. But it, it'll be interesting. The, the biggest thing to me for the Chiefs, and this is from a real football perspective now, is they're in a in a pretty big contract dispute with Chris Jones, and it's Chris Jones has come out and said he's you know potentially willing to sit out the year this year, a la Le'Veon Bell. And if he does that, that affects the Chiefs' defense drastically. I mean, drastically. He is a huge Damn. part. They've offered him the franchise tag, and he hasn't signed it yet. But now that they have Mahomes locked up, the big thing for me is they have until July 15th to get an extension done with Chris Jones before he has to play on the tag if he's going to play. And my my thought process is they got Mahomes locked up. Now they know exactly what it's going to, you know, what it took to get him. Now they know what money they have to go and offer Chris Jones. And I hope they get something done, you know, a, a four-year deal or something and just solidify that defense a little bit more. Uh, but going back to the quarterbacks, you mentioned Dak Prescott and and it seems to me prior to the Mahomes <laughs> deal coming out that they weren't really arguing about money anymore um, with the Cowboys. It's more the length of the contract. Prescott wants a four-year deal because he wants to be a free agent sooner. And Jerry Jones wants a five-year deal because he wants to have Prescott longer. That shows you the difference in mentality between Dak Prescott and Patrick Mahomes. Mahomes is like, I love it here. I want to be here. I don't care long-term. Like, sign sign a 12-year contract. Like, go for it. And and as opposed to Prescott's like, no, five years is too much. I need four. I need to maximize my dollars here. Let me throw that at you then, Brad. You are the former professional athlete on this show. So let me throw this at you. Back in your day playing baseball, if somebody said to you, here, we'll give you 10 years, 100 million, or you can get four years, 40 million with the potential that because you're out in four years, that last six years now turns into six years, 80 million and you end up making an extra $20 million over the entire 10 years that you would have made. Would you rather just – I'm just curious as a, as a Brad person because I'm the type of person that I would just take the 10 years knowing yeah, I of would all the, 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 bad side, the downside of what could happen. I would rather go that route. Totally. And, and the thing about baseball contracts is they're fully guaranteed, you know, barring a steroid suspension. Of course. But if, if you go and have a car wreck – 
um, and can never play baseball again, your money is still paid out. Even if you die, your money is still paid out to your spouse. Well, you so got morbid, that, that, that money, well, I'm just saying like it, worst <laughs> case scenario, it's not that way in football. Like, you know, Mahomes got like $141 million full, full injury guarantee, something like that. I don't know if you saw it with this new language that Schefter just threw out. Like we all knew what it meant. He was just like with the guaranteed mechanisms is 477 million. <laughs> and everybody, th- that was the biggest thing is like, he just threw out a new word. Like, it's yeah, there's a brand like new made term. Up a word. <laughs> and everybody's like, what? <laughs> Yeah, and it, you almost wonder if he didn't even know what it meant, and he was just repeating a text message that he got from <laughs> from somebody in the Chiefs front office or something. <laughs> and watch, it was like autocorrect. That's not even what they meant to put in there. The the best thing around Kansas City was it was it was it became rabid uh, rapidly viral that afternoon. The first person who actually mentioned it was a girl that works at a liquor store. Um, in Kansas City, and she said one of the Chiefs front office people just came in and bought six bottles of Dom Perignon, and then he said, big contract signing today, and then walked out of the, the store, and she said, well, it doesn't sound like it's Chris Jones, so it must be Mahomes. Like, she said that on her tweet. So, obviously, she's aware of, of, of football and stuff, And but once... Once the news broke, the Schefter broke the news, then everybody found this other tweet that happened like three hours earlier. It went nuts in Kansas City. And and this this poor girl had to like shut her account down for a little bit because she was just getting bombarded with retweets. <laughs> yeah, she all of a sudden becomes the source. Like they, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like, oh, now, now we know what we have to do. If you want to, if a big contract's coming, you need to check with local liquor stores to figure out yeah. where the celebration's <laughs> going to be. See, yeah, see who's buying the celebratory <laughs> alcohol. All right, so there is another fancy piece from the Chiefs that we do need to talk about. And this comes from our own Nate Taylor over at The Athletic. Uh, and it's funny because this got thrown back in my face, Brad. Look, again, before, let me preface this. Brad is on the other side of Clyde's Willaire because he's concerned about rookies. I've time and again said, I agree with Brad if we get a month, a month from now and we still don't have time on the field together. We still don't have playing with the team. And I understand, like, there's time where I will admittedly pull back. As of today, I still think Edwards Hilaire is an RB1 because I only need him to get 13 to 15 touches per game, and he's going to be RB1, in my opinion. So take that out of the equation for this conversation, everybody listening, and you too, Brad, because that's we've already taken care of that. We've already put a pin in it. We've already put it up on the board. We know sure. that's what it is. The Nate Taylor report that the team, the coaches, the offensive coordinator, the running back coach has said they can see a big jump coming from Damian Williams. What are your thoughts on that period as it is of itself? Because I feel like, and this isn't me being the Edwards Hilaire, it's just like me being very high on Damian Williams last year, as you and I both were. I feel like we just did this last year too. Like, this doesn't really add much for me. Does it add much for you? Only from a no, because when when Damian Williams was on the field, he was super productive last year, and especially at the end of the year. I mean, he was completely dominant in the playoffs. Just crushed the the Forty ers in the second half of the Super Bowl. So it, it's not a matter of if the talent's there. This is what they. If you look at the full quote. The, the the part where he talked about the big jump is he said, I, I think his maturation in this offense is going to be a big jump this year. And I think that's that's just saying this is a complicated offense. That's why they had Mahomes sit a year or the most of, most of a year after they drafted him. There are a lot of complicated calls at the line, complicated calls. It's long. The plays that when they call him in the huddle, the plays are really long and drawn out that they're calling. And that's part of why they sh- I, I think Andy Reid struggled with time like clock management at one point because they he, if he has to repeat a whole play over and over again to a quarterback that doesn't hear it right the first time it, it was it's a it's a five six second 
you know, he needs those clips and boards the with the play. pictures on it. <laughs> yeah, it's not like oh, you know, forty-two dive on one. It's it's not like that. And so he's got all these different things, um, you know, that, that he's doing, and that's where I think just the fact that Damian Williams has been there another year. When they talk about what they're seeing out of him, they're talking about what they're seeing on Zoom calls. This is him, you know, being able to look at film, being able to look at a playbook. And he's regurgitating it better this year than he was last year. And that, to me, is the biggest thing. Where Because the year before, he, he was only thrown into the mix the last couple games of the season. And and just you know after Kareem Hunt got suspended midway through the year, then, then Damian Williams got thrown into the starting role. And no one expected him to be in that role. Last year, they brought in LaShawn McCoy late. There was kind of a lot of flux going back and forth. But when Damian Williams played, he was really, really good. And this obviously is an offense that you want pieces of in fantasy. If if he's just if he's understanding the playbook and understanding the concepts a little better this year, that just means it frees him up mentally to just use more of his ability because he doesn't have to think as much on the field. And and that's where I think the, the big jump is potentially coming. I, I could definitely understand and see that. And I think that's part of the concern people are pushing back with, too, is Clyde Overshelaire is learning the quote-unquote Andy Reid offense. Uh, one more time to go back to the thing we're pinning on is I do think, like, even with that concern, this, for me, where I keep coming back is, like, Austin Eckler, Melvin Gordon. And Clyde Overshelaire being the RB1, and that being Damian Williams, the Melvin Gordon being the RB2. And that's how I think it could be now. Of course, you know, he doesn't get to play and practice with the field and he's going to get out there in week one and have this 20 word play that you just mentioned getting called. And that's the concern, of course. So, yes, there, there is time to adjust. Uh, two more bits of news before we get out of here for today. Uh, one running back and then, well, maybe three. We'll see how much time we get into one running back specifically. Zach Moss, a rookie, but a rookie who's quote unquote stepping into the Frank Gore role. Uh, we've already talked, you and I, and back with Chris, we talked about Devin Singletary and the fact that his value is just what it is. It's cap because Josh Allen takes rushing touchdowns away. The role of Frank Gore was going to be filled by somebody, and that was not going to go away, and that wasn't going to become Singletary's. Zach Moss stepping into the Frank Gore role. There's two factors here, Brad, that I think Zach Moss has some upside. And you know I'm not the biggest Zach Moss fan. And I'm not saying go draft Zach Moss and start him in your lineup. I just think he could be obviously a matchup play, a bi-week flyer fill-in. That type of stuff. Not a huge value, double-digit rounds, but he could be Frank Gore, but better. There was a lot of Frank Gore opportunities at the goal line where he didn't score, and then the next play, Josh Allen took it in or passed it or whatever might happen. Frank Gore got his opportunities, and Frank Gore did score a handful of touchdowns, but I think Zach Moss could do that role and do it a little bit better to where he is fantasy relevant, unlike Frank Gore last year. Yeah, for sure. He he definitely could be. I, I'm leery of, of this offense in general, um, just because, like, even even yesterday, um, D- Diggs made a comment on social media, and I, I'd have to dig it up to try to figure out exactly what he said. But it's essentially, he was saying he's nervous about playing this year because of the, the safety protocols. I, I think that they can't figure out. They can't figure out exactly what it's going to be. And everybody's response to it was, well, yeah, if I was catching passes from Josh Allen, I'd be nervous to play too. And, and so it's <laughs> like, the, the, there's still, there's still a lot of, of ambiguity with this offense because you need Josh Allen to take a step forward for all these guys to be relevant. We feel like Singletary is going to probably be the, the passing down back and maybe a little more um, a satellite back plus, if you will. Um, if Zach Moss takes the, the, the short yardage stuff, it's it's going to be a situation where like you don't know week to week who's going to be the guy and right. I at that point I'm I'm going to stay away from it and I feel like some of these guys especially these rookie rookie backs like you mentioned Edwards Alaire 
I think there's a, a an opportunity, a buy opportunity for these guys in the second, third, fourth week of the season. Well, because I think they're some of them are going to be eased in slowly, and when they are, they're not being used heavily. And someone drafted Edwards Alaire, you know, in the second round of a draft, then they're going to be like, man, he's he's only if he's only getting six or eight touches the first couple of weeks, they're going to want out of that. If you can give them a little something of value. And and then just a you know project an increase in touches as the season goes along as they get more comfortable and I think you could see that across the board with a lot of rookies. Yeah, I I'm definitely with you on the Jonathan Taylor. I'm with you on well J.K. Dobbins is a whole different ball game. He's just unfortunately Mark marking Mark not unfortunately I'm a Mark Ingram supporter. Mark Ingram is going to have to disappear for J.K. Dobbins to matter. But Jonathan Taylor and I'm I'm highest probably of those three guys on DeAndre Swift just because I think he does step in from day one. But I don't think Carryon Johnson is going away from day one. But to your point, Taylor and Swift being the Miles Sanders this year, to what you're talking about is like. It starts off slow. You go by low, throw a low ball offer out there, and just like Miles Sanders last year, you get him reap the rewards in the second half. Uh, yep. The two more bits of news, there are two different ways of looking at things, trade and a potential signing. Kind of quick hit as we get out of here. The first one is David Njoku. David Njoku, day by day, week by week, happy, not happy, traded, not going to be traded. The Cowboys might be interested, might be sniffing around, might not be. They're not, they just sign, <laughs> whatever it might be. And Njoku is on the Browns as of today. He's quote unquote now still a big part of their plans. This is Kevin Stefanski coming in though, Brad. This is a two tight end offense that is going to be out there a lot if he's still on this team. Do you have any interest? Like, I don't want to say you're drafting David and Joe because in the standard league, you're not drafting the second tight end. You're not drafting Kyle Rudolph this at this year over you know with Irv Smith there, and or you weren't drafting Irv Smith last year with Kyle Rudolph, but. Is it at least on your radar for tight end premium leagues or on your radar that if he does get moved, maybe you're in a dynasty, you're just going to try and get him now before his value shoots up? Yeah, that's I mean, when this kind of news breaks during the Scott Fishbowl draft, like the moment he's traded, he will be the next pick on the, you know, taken in every league if he's if he's still available. Like that's just right. the way that drafting during this this time of the year works. And so that yeah, it, take all eight hours. <laughs> there there is interest there. It's the same interest I have in OJ Howard. It's like I, I feel like right now is the best opportunity to buy OJ Howard. Your uber athletic, talented, you know, player needs a better situation. He just got usurped by Gronk. Um, and and now if you assume Gronk's going to be there for the two years that Brady is, if, if Gronk will, will extend uh, another year, then at that point they have to trade Howard. And at some point, the moment they trade Howard, his value skyrockets. He becomes a, a sell candidate at that point instead of a buy. So I've, yeah, now I'm trying, I want to try to buy these guys right now because, and, and maybe if he doesn't get traded, Buy him during week one, or or you might be able to you might be able to pick him up off the waiver wire. But it's it's I yeah I I want to stash these guys, um, especially in like a dynasty type league if you can get them cheap, get them for a third third or fourth round pick or something, just for someone to free up a roster spot. Then then yeah, d- take them because there there is tight end one upside with both of these guys based on their athleticism, and it's just a matter of of trying to you know trying to give them snaps on the field. By the way, Rob Gronkowski is still on the board in the tenth round of my Scott Fish Bowl, which I'm, I'm a bit surprised about. It's not like this is yeah, playing the second year. <laughs> he, he went. I, I'll, I was trying to pull my grid up here and see where he went in ours because he well, he was. And here's the thing: to go back real quick to the strategy point, round. to the last. Oh wow, the last player bit of news is to the strategy point is it's a super flex league and tight end premium. But the problem is if you have two quarterbacks like most teams do. Even though it's tight end premium, there's no real point in taking a second tight end because you can't play the second tight end because your quarterback's in your flex spot. So 
it kind of comes down to I see why if people missed on the top five or six tight ends, why they just said, screw it, I'm just going to wait forever because now there's no point, especially if Gronkowski. I still I, See, yeah, there you I go. Think there's, I, I, wanna put I, I could be wrong, but I think there are – you start like three flex spots, and that's why – Do they? Are you sure? Um, there, oh, it might goals. be four even because it says <laughs> you can start up to five tight ends. So there's four flex spots. Oh, you one can? of them is a super flex. Oh, never so mind. you can, yeah, you can start Let's multiple tight ends. Like you, you need to probably draft. Gronk I got, I got to go trade, tra- change my <laughs> selection. This is how much I was. Here's a, here's another one for everybody out there. Pay attention to the rules. <laughs> yeah, there's four flex spots in your starting lineup. Like this, oh, okay. it's a deep league, and so yeah, go go get all the tight ends you can. That's for another league. That's a more normal league strategy. All right, last one. Speaking of a draft like this, if this were to happen, and you and I have talked, I'm so tired. This is really, I'll promise everybody out there, unless he signs. This is the last time we're talking about this player. This is the last time we're talking about Antonio Brown, possibly forever. <laughs> because it's just, you and I have said, six to eight games, he's going to be on the exempt list. He's not playing. But is it going to matter? And I'm not even just talking Scott Fishbowl. I'm talking Brad. If he signed today, we're doing the podcast, he signs with the Seahawks because he's out there practicing with Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson wants to play with him. If he signs today, the 15th round of your draft, your standard, typical draft. Do you take the flyer, let him sit on your bench for the six weeks because of what you're going to get when he's back? Yeah, I think you have to, especially with Russell Wilson, uh, you know, extremely accurate quarterback. And, and you know, that you got to think if they bring in Antonio Brown with Lockett and Metcalf and Chris Carson there, and they, they don't throw the tie in a ton, but they can, they, there are weapons there. You got to think at some point they will just let Russell Wilson go as opposed to, you know, let him throw 450 times, throw, let him throw 600 times one year. And let's just see what, what kind of numbers he could put up because he might be able to put up a, a 5,000 yard, 40 touchdown season if they let him throw enough. And, and I, I want to see that. I, I hope that I almost kind of hope Antonio Brown signs there solely because I think that will open up that offense a little bit more. It'll, it'll force him to. It would just be fun. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. But on the flip it's, side, that's just who, it, 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 just for fun. Who do you think it kills more, Lockett or Metcalf? I think it kills Lockett more. Lockett, yeah. And Metcalf, I, I still think is is gonna would be the deep threat. Uh, you know, a big body red zone threat. I think he'd still get his his looks. I do think it takes away from Lockett a little bit if Brown's there because they're, they're a little more nuanced route running type guys. All right. Fair enough. He's Brad Ziegler. Follow him at Brad Ziegler. I'm at All in Kid. In case you didn't do it already, make sure you're following Scott Fish at ScottFish24. The hashtag SFBX is the follow along for all the billion tweets. By the way, you might not want to follow if you just don't want to be inundated, but for the fun of it, it is fun to watch at least for the first week. So I recommend that. And uh, we'll be back next week. Uh, hopefully, everybody out there is having some fun with the drafting. And uh, oh, yeah, go to the athletic, check it out. Fantasy football and fantasy baseball draft kits being updated daily. I'm not sure when Derek has slept last, so he's got you covered for baseball. We'll talk to you next week. <laughs>